So in 2010, I joined a karaoke league here in Austin, and every week we competed. It did not matter if you were a good singer or not, it was how cleverly you could interpret a song and of course involved costumes and all sorts of things. I had the idea of doing a duet and my team said no, because if I did a duet in my solo round, it usurped the team's ability to sing together as a group at the end, which is a stupid rule. And so I said, fine, I'll do it myself. I'll do both parts. And I went to the thrift store and I got some essential key items. I got a fake beard that I wore on one side of my face, a fake boob. And when it was time to get up on stage, I emerged half as Dolly Parton and half as Kenny Rogers. And I sang Islands in the Stream. And when Kenny was singing, I would face the Kenny side of my body to the audience. And when it was Dolly's turn, I would face the Dolly side to them. And then when it was the chorus, I would turn and face them straight on. And so everyone saw both Dolly and Kenny singing together. And I won. I'm Megan Renard, and this is I Love You So Much. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast, a show for everyone caught up in an ongoing love affair with Austin, even if it's complicated. I'm your host, Tali Mosley. I'm Omar Gayaga. And I'm Addie Broyles, coming to you from the shores of Lady Bird Lake in the offices of the Austin American Statesman. In this week's episode, we welcome mortified Austin producers Eric Elise and Katie Moore. How did reading your old, cringeworthy diary entries from adolescence in front of strangers become a thing? Erica and Katie explain the origins and national explosion of Mortified, which is now a book, a podcast, a TV series on Netflix, and of course, a beloved live show. Local podcaster Adam Sultan has a lot of friends, and he decided to make them the focus of a new show. But there's a twist. From multiple sclerosis to gigantism, each friend has a chronic illness or health condition that they've learned to navigate. We talked to Adam about his new podcast, Friends with Deficits. Eric Webb tells us about the new ping pong and social club, Spin, on this week's Rev Report. We'll end, as always, with our recommendations and a toast, but first, mortified. We're all awkward at age 13, but some people decide to revisit that time in front of a live audience in supremely cathartic and hilarious fashion. The next Austin show is June 15th and 16th at Spider House Ballroom, and we've got Erica and Katie here to tell us about it. Welcome, Katie and Erica, to I Love You So Much. Hi. Thanks for having us. Hi. So, okay, if anyone here is living under a rock um, and they haven't heard of Mortified, what is the show? Like, what can someone expect when they walk in for their first Mortified experience? So Mortified is a live storytelling show where regular people from Austin, people like you and me, get up on stage and they share artifacts from their childhood and adolescence, things that were never supposed to see the light of day. They're going to get up on stage and mortify <laughs> themselves for your entertainment. <laughs> I'm giggling already because of just memories I have from going to Mortifieds and how like both cringeworthy but also um, cathartic it is when people go up there. And Erica, you've been producing this show for a long time. How long have you been been a producer? Ten years. Ten years. My God. And can you tell us what uh, the production experience is like? Because you really work one-on-one with your storytellers. Yeah. Um, so the first step is we screen the pieces, which is like, I guess it's, another, it's a 
less scary way of saying auditioning because we're not actually auditioning. It's not like about the person. It's about like, do they have enough stuff to make a piece out of? Yeah. And can we in a, just like a few minutes basically pick some, find something about them like, oh, this thing you wrote is re- really revealing about you because of whatever. Um, so it, it starts with that. Then, uh, you know, we basically kind of all powwow and like discuss, well, okay, I like this person. I really like this one. And then Katie assigns pieces. And then we just start working. And the first thing after that is we just read everything they have. Um, so they're- Which is so vulnerable because <laughs> it's like you are asking them to hand over their junior high diaries for you to mine. Yeah. And it's <laughs> funny, like people, like they're still so embarrassed and we are so unshockable at this point. <laughs> <laughs> And the the things that people, like, some people are embarrassed about, like, they're like, oh, my God, it's just, it's so terrible. And then we're just like, oh, no, we see this every time. It's fine. (laughs) Like, don't worry about it. Um, Yeah. Are there, I wanted to ask you both, um, are there any tropes of mortified storytellers? Like, the thing that I find so fascinating about mortified is I, sometimes I wonder if it can only happen to a generation that were teenagers up to like the late 90s nope. because like all the other stuff is disposable right like text messages and stuff mm-hmm. like it is eph- it's more ephemeral S- sort of but we've had some awesome pieces with like live journals oh yeah okay um, all right old all right. AOL messages oh <laughs> Okay, Those right. are very revealing. <laughs> really? Yeah. You're both yes. looking at each other quite knowingly. Because <laughs> we did our first one with AOL Instant Messages, and I looked at Katie, and I was like, can we please play the sounds? <laughs> <laughs> and just even just hearing those sounds, like the like open door sound, right. it, it brought back a lot for me. <laughs> I To answer your question, there are a lot of universal themes, and they're all related to teenagers wanting something they want to find love they want to stand out they want to hide in the shadows you know so all of these themes are very similar um it's the point of view that makes it interesting so you could we see a lot of things of i was in love with this person who didn't love me and that's very common but when that person was also super into horses or Mm sci-fi and they it's kind of colored with their interests and hobbies that's what makes it individual and yeah. unique. And I think it's like no matter how much the media cha- might change, kids are still kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and they still like no matter what form they're using, they still have all of that like angst and and you know, all of this feeling that they're trying to figure out and I think that is what is getting captured is just that like sort of essence of sure figuring out like who are you even. Sure. It is very fun to see those themes in a journal from the 70s. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, and you know they're talking about Olivia Newton-John and feathered hair, and, <laughs> but still the same longings and you know, yeah, like the details might change, but the feelings stay the same. Right, right. Wow. Okay, this is some this is some profound wisdom. Like four <laughs> minutes into the interview. Okay, that's so, what you get when you're in mortified. Wow. <laughs> okay, so um, without really revealing anyone's idea identity too much. Um, are there any favorite mortified stories that you've ever had? Um, I remember going to one, while you think about that, I remember going to one and the thing that was surprising to me about it and why I liked it so much was she didn't choose a diary. This particular storyteller had a relationship with her teacher and it wasn't a romantic relationship. It was just like she had a teacher who believed in her. And so the mortified piece was like her getting more daring writing her stories. And um, 
the feedback that the teacher was giving her the whole time, like, you know, maybe getting weirded out, um, but encouraging her along the way. And that one was so sweet. And it was funny, too, but it was also just touching to see this, like, you know, adult in this person's life helping this lonely kid. So that's one of my favorite mortified stories, not because it was like laugh out loud hilarious, but just because I could see this person's growth through someone who cared for them. Mm-hmm. There, One thing that comes to mind hearing you say that is also related to a teacher. Um, this woman, when she was in high school, she was so mean to her teacher. <laughs> and she had to do these journal entries, like assigned journal entries that the teacher would read. And she hated it and would <laughs> write these snide things about the teacher in the entries. And then, you know, 20 years later, she is now a teacher. Oh, my God. <laughs> we, had, we find a lot of people that were mean to their teachers who became teachers kind of ironically but in answer to your question I have a couple of pieces one of them I can say the authors well maybe she wouldn't want me to I don't know we had one from a filmmaker who um, her parents were immigrants and so she wasn't really encouraged to do art they wanted her to do something practical and um a lot of her childhood and a lot of her diaries and journals are her being like I need to find my purpose but like it's obvious what her purpose is. Mm-hmm. She's a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. She's always been really curious about images and putting stories together. And so the the whole piece was about her kind of like accepting the fact that that is who she is and what she wants to do. And we ended it with one of the first films that she ever made, which of Aww. course is still terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a triumph in that it happened. Yeah. yeah. And and like and now, I mean, she did a short film series um, last year and it was on Issa Rae's YouTube channel. Like she's the oh real deal. God. Like she's, yeah. you know, and she's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so yeah, like that one made me, made me cry um, in part because like I have an immigrant parent and so like, I related to it in a way that I didn't even know I could relate to mortified pieces so I think a lot of it is like people um coming to accept themselves yeah yeah that's a really good way to put it um so listeners Erica was actually my producer when I did a mortified oh my god like nine years ago was it 2009 I think like very like ancient times um and um yeah but that part about um coming to accept yourself um you know not that long ago, I got my master's degree in Victorian literature, but before that, the seeds were there <laughs> in my diary and like love letters I wrote to boys I wish were my boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe, and I, Erica was my producer at the time, and I remember meeting you at Mother's Cafe and, and like, um, I come in with my diaries. I just like kind of like dog eared some pages. Like, I think this might work. But then I remember you distinctly saying, like, I'm going to have to take those with me. I'm going (laughs) to read through those, and I'll tell you what works. And I remember you selected this one passage where I unironically used the word a fortnight. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that. (laughs) A fortnight and then some. (laughs) Uh, To describe, like, the distance in days between me and the meeting of this boy who wasn't interested in me. (laughs) I I completely forgot about that. And I was like, who talks like that? (laughs) So in reading way too much Bronte when they are 16 years old. Um, Okay, so now Mortified is like this huge 
franchise. I mean, there are many different spinoffs. So there's a Netflix series. Mm -hmm. It has just launched. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. Yeah, it's called The Mortified Guide. And I think there's five or six episodes. Each one has a different theme. There's a love and sex episode, relation. No, what are some of the other ones? Gonna, I don't even remember. Like pop culture, like a girl who was super into the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> yeah. <That> girl. <laughs> so so they, they have like different kind of chapters within it. And then one of them was um, actually shot here. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and Katie produced that show and like the rest of us, the other story producers like worked on it and stuff. So it was it was fun because we, you know, Austin is a part. Represented. Yeah, yeah, which was nice because they did a, a documentary film a few years back and they weren't able to shoot any of it here. And so it always felt like, oh, we left out. Yeah, especially <laughs> since Austin's one of the most like fervent, beloved, mortified communities. It seems yes. sold out shows all the time. Very much so. So, yeah. um, OK, so it's a Netflix series and then there's also a podcast. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the podcast. So the podcast comes out every Tuesday, and it's a mixture of recordings from Mortified Cities all over the world, um, live recordings from the shows. And then they do a post-mortem with the participant where we get oh, a little bit nice. of background on why they were the way they were and how they, that's affected their lives now. And like how they're like, yeah, 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 how they're doing now. Kind of like it reminds me of the Modern Love podcast where they read Modern Love columns and then catch up with the person later. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Um, so there's Netflix. There is podcasts. There are books. You guys were yes. telling me off mic that there's like a journaling book that mm-hmm. people tell. What is that? What is that about? It's called My Mortified Life, and it's a guided journal. Um, it has all sorts of cool prompts just to get you reflecting on what you were like and what you're like now and what's changed and what's the same. So like that brings me to this question um, for either of you. Like what kind of people uh, – I, I see the kind of person being interested in that journal being like writers or storytellers or someone kind of – already sort of artistically bent but at the shows it doesn't seem like that's the only population you're getting like who is attracted to audition or screen for mortified um i mean i think it's it does seem to me and i think katie would know better about this but um it has been a little bit easier to get people to screen in the last couple of years in part because of the show um when we first started in Austin, it was impossible to get anybody but actors because people were like, I, I can't say this on stage. And it right. was like, okay, great. But like, it's not every piece can be about like the drama program. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, p- and part of the, the charm is seeing people who aren't stage types get up mm-hmm. on stage. Yes. Exactly. And um, and I think it, it seems to me like the, you know, the documentary and then the podcast and now the um, Netflix series has really opened it up. And I mean, we're getting submissions from people that don't even live in Austin. Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you ever have like... I mean, whenever I go to a Mortified show, I feel like I see people in their, like, 20s and 30s. Do you ever get someone, like, who's much older or, like, someone who didn't grow up in America? Like, do you ever get, like, more cultural outliers? We do. It's interesting. We have we do two shows, um, a 7.30 show and a 10.30 show. And there are usually people a little bit older come to the 7.30 shows. The 10.30 mm-hmm. is a little bit rowdier. Uh-huh. People are out to see <laughs> and be seen. But yeah, over the past year or two, I would say a number of people maybe over 45 are uh-huh. coming to the show, which is awesome. Are, are you asking about audience or people who are in the show? Well, I, I was asking about performers, but I'm I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear about uh, audience, audience members too. I would say 
we're getting a few more people. I think mm-hmm. the thing that's so cool about it here in Austin is that it spreads by word of mouth. Yeah. There's very little that we have to do to promote the show because people have a great time and they tell their friends and the people that participate, it's it can be life-changing in a lot of ways. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Like, what's some of the feedback that you get from performers who are doing this? Like, what are the things they say after they've completed a Mortified? I think most people would say it's a pretty cathartic experience. It can be therapeutic. It's no replacement for therapy if that's what you need. <laughs> but um, you... You walk away from it looking back at yourself with a sense of compassion that maybe we don't make time for all the time, like appreciating your weirdness, that which at the time was probably a big deal and embarrassing. Right. Yeah, I think it's like really great to be able to stand up there and own that part of yourself and have that be supported. Right. I always tell participants, like, especially because they're like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? And I'm like, look. The audience is not there to laugh at you. They're la- there to th- laugh at themselves through you. Oh. Because they relate to it. You know? And so it's like, they're not there being like, ha, 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 you're so dumb. Like, it's just like, oh, my God, how were we ever this dumb? <laughs> you're right. <laughs> but we and made it out alive. Collectively. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think also seeing, like, you know, the most embarrassing parts of yourself are actually endearing. On that note of having this be a therapeutic experience, you know, um, not everyone who performs at Mortify like tells a story in a traditional way. So how, what are some of the other types of storytelling that we might see that feel really good for the person performing? We are so, so thrilled to work with an amazing team of ASL interpreters who work on the pieces and well they don't work on the pieces but they interpret the pieces for the deaf community Um, and we have a number of deaf attendees who come see the show and it is really wild to see you know if someone's talking about their first sexual experiences to (laughs) see that interpreted in sign language is pretty fascinating we know the signs for basically every dirty word (laughs) i think i think the same group of signers is also does bedpost confessions yes and it's like modern dance like like the way they're moving their bodies like what's so amazing to me is they're not just interpreting the words themselves but also they're communicating the tone yes it's so incredible to watch yeah yeah no they're extremely talented And, and our um, the deaf community is really loyal too. I mean, I recognize like probably two thirds of the deaf community members who come because they're regulars. They come to yeah. every show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Last last question, and then we'll wrap this up. So, um, whenever I look around, I feel like I see teenagers in Austin that are just so cool. Like, I don't know if it's because they have the internet available to verify what's hip or they have editing tools that allow them to like um, slice out the cringeworthy things they said or they just live more ephemeral lives I don't know is this true do you think that teenagers are always going to be a little awkward even if they have the luxury of the internet to make them look hipper than I mean, they are I think if you want proof that kids are still awkward look at some of their prom <laughs> pictures <laughs> you know okay. like sometimes I look at them I'm like oh I remember when I didn't know how to do my hair <laughs> right right yeah and I don't know I don't know if it makes any difference but whether you have the internet or not, you're still not going to know how to do a first kiss and you're still going to have to figure out all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's some things that the internet probably can't solve for them, <laughs> even if they think they're cool. You've you got to go through life. You've got to figure it out yourself. 
That is a beautiful note to end on. <laughs> Let us all go through life together. Katie, Erica, thank you so much for joining us, and I love you so much. Thanks. Thank you so much for having us. What's it like to never stop growing? To sweat uncontrollably? Or to have your lifelong fetish affected by a freak accident? Adam Sultan explains it all in his daring new show, Friends with Deficits. He joins us now. Welcome, Adam, host of Friends with Deficits. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I want to acquaint listeners with the premise of your show, and both Addie and I are really curious about how you came up with this. So what is Friends with Deficits? Okay. Uh, it's an interview show where I talk to people who have different, generally health issues. It could be uh, some disease or autoimmune disease or disorder or an accident they had that's basically just challenging their life or has caused some challenges in the past. And it began because I had a friend, have a friend who has Huntington's disease. And a year or two ago, I recorded her for a totally separate project. And we were talking, and I've known her for years. We're, we're really, really close friends. And felt really dry and ridiculous. Like, tell me about Huntington's and eye roll. So I went, I'm like, let's just make a drink or something. And then I moved all the equipment into my living room and had a martini and suddenly had this really warm and fun conversation, even mm-hmm. though it was kind of dealing with this heavy topic. Uh, and I thought, I got to keep doing this. And so over time, I thought about doing it and thought it would be a passion project. And I started thinking about people I know who have different things going on. It turns out there's more than one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just kind of lined up a few and started interviewing them. So. so when you use the word deficit, does that rub people the wrong way? Do the people you interview embrace that? Do they like I, talking about it? I've, I've forgotten because I remember when I first did this, I was like, okay, I'm going to tell you the title, you know, and, and I kind of braced myself. But um, no, everybody thinks it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> no one, No one's been like deficits, you know. And I can imagine that for many people who are living their lives with fill-in-the-blank issue, it, it might be something they don't want to talk about on a daily basis because they just want to carry on with their lives. But what has the, been res- the response when you've come to them and said, can we talk about it for yeah. 30 minutes or an hour? I think if anybody didn't want to talk about it, they I wouldn't have them on the show. Sure. And, as for, and I don't recall anybody really not wanting to talk. So, um, And I don't do a lot of research. I don't, like, I'm not super professional. I'm just like... Do you want a drink? Okay, and now what? What's that thing you have again? And, <laughs> you wouldn't be um, the first podcast that <laughs> yeah. that juices people up with cocktails. Yeah, yeah. Pre-interview. Sometimes, not always. Not everybody drinks. So I want to give people an idea of the types of folks you interview. So one of the ones, first ones I listened to was with Leela Henry Henley Henley, who's a musician, but she also has gigantism. Right. Uh, before having a pituitary gland removed. Right. So yeah. can you talk a little bit uh, both about Leela and also that interview process? Because I find her life extremely fascinating. Well, that's good. Um, I Again, the process was, I think we had some... Um, <laughs> <laughs> some Tom Sazer- Collins? S- no, they were Sazeracs because okay. she's from New Orleans. So, um, and uh, and just hung out on my couch and just, just kind of talked and... Uh, what was, the, what was the rest of the question? What was the pro, uh, the process? Yeah, like, just, like, tell us a little bit about Leela herself. Um, you know, she's a musician, yeah. and, like, the impression I got listening to it is this, this is so integrated into her being. Yeah, that well, she's also, she's very tall. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also, but very, she owns it incredibly. Yeah. Like, and I, she's in one of my bands, Super Creeps, which is a Bowie tribute band, and she doesn't have to be doing anything. You don't have to tell her to, like, 
you know, we don't have a part for you now. Just stand there. And she will just, she won't leave the stage because she's just, she owns who she is in a really positive way. And, um, and at, I think growing up, it was a lot more challenging. She talks about that on the podcast, being kind of awkward, too large teenager or whatever. And she would have but, kept on growing right, had the gland not been removed. Right. The, the tumor. Yeah. tumor. Yeah. So who knows? She could have been like, you know, 15 feet tall by now. And I don't know if she'd have the same attitude or not. Yeah. Have you found that most of your guests carry themselves and their deficits the same way? No. Uh, I don't really. Uh, it's different. Everybody seems to seems to kind of be going along with it, and then they'll have some moment where they're like, oh, this is really awful, but then they'll have this other thing like, but you know, I'm just, I'm who I am, and I can deal with this. So I feel like maybe I just got the pick of the litter that they have a really positive outlook, and I think that's inspiring to people. There are a lot of light moments. Yeah. Moments of levity. I mean, they get very, you get very serious with them, obviously, yeah. and you don't um, dance around the truth of, of whatever issue is at hand. But um, yeah, that was the takeaway is that there is a lot of hope listening to these episodes. So who are some of the other guests you've had on the show? Uh, my first guest was Jeff Hoskins, who's an old friend of mine who has a degenerative eye disease. Um, that was the eye opener issue or episode. Hearing him talking about losing his sight. That yeah. was fascinating. Yeah. Just that process, it being this slow and the way he described it too was so visceral. I just, that's one thing I've really enjoyed about your podcast, listening to it. I just, I don't know, it created a bunch a bunch of empathy in that particular situation with his site, but sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. And some of the, some of the stories are, are a little weirder. I have another friend, Spectra, who has hyperhidrosis, which is sweaty palms and feet. And that's an incredible thing. Just when you think about like the things you can and can't do. When your hands are constantly perspiring. So. I remember this old Grey's Anatomy episode where the female patient couldn't stop orgasming. Like, it just, and it was kind of random. And I can't remember the scientific term for this particular condition, but the, just, Sounds great. just putting it out there. <laughs> there was an episode of Broad City about that last yeah. year, too. <laughs> if so, that's a real condition, and anybody can find me here. <laughs> so, what's interesting to me is that. The fact that kind of carrying on Addie's question, like each episode title touts the disease, but mm -hmm. in your conversations with them, it's clear that there is that it's only one one aspect that defines this person. Yeah. And I thought here's just something. When I first started this, I had like a three hour conversation, including like a half an hour of making drinks that I thought was going to be awesome and just people would love this. And then I quickly learned, no, I got to like bone up on my Tighten editing skills. And I love <laughs> tightening up this, the episodes. They're all about half an hour to 40 minutes. Um, I really love doing that work, actually. And I thought, and I had somebody suggest, like, oh, maybe you could just do these, like, 10 or 15-minute episodes. I'm like, no, you know, we have to have a longer talk. But I realized it's like, yeah, I could just be like, this is so-and-so. They have a problem. This is the thing, you know. And mm -hmm. just I feel like it's better to just kind of see what comes up. And obviously that's the main topic is whatever the, the, the so-called deficit is. But um, I'd like to see where it goes. Yeah. yeah, it seems like it informs the way they live, but it doesn't even necessarily define the way they live. Like right. They may have had to have made some accommodations, but you just so happen to have picked out like creative people, artistic people. Oh, can you tell us about your guest who had traumatic brain injury and is also a leader in the kink community? Yes. Hopefully that will have aired <laughs> by the time this does because it's not, it's not out you yet. You can just tease it. Uh, yeah. So I have a friend who's anonymous because he's part of the, the kink community. And uh, I won't get into what that is. You can listen to the episode. But he also suffered a traumatic brain injury, which affected his life in a huge way, but also his lifestyle choices. So, mm. so what are some of the takeaways that you've had just personally interviewing these friends of yours and, and listening to them, hearing them talk about their 
the way that they go about their lives? And, and how has that influenced you as, as you go about your life? I yeah. presume you don't have any major deficits. Not yet. I'm waiting till when I'm <laughs> like, when are you going to be the guest, Adam? You know? um, and it'll happen, you know, because I've the whole premise of this has always been, look, we're all going to die. And people freak out when they hear that. Like, shh, you're not supposed to say that. Mm-hmm. But we all have something going on. And, and so hearing people talk about it, Sometimes it's interesting to me. Sometimes it's like, oh, man, I, you know, it must be really challenging. And other things is, again, like you mentioned, just being hum- having some humor and being lighthearted about it and seeing. Because I think in general, people aren't defined by the, their, you know, whatever issues they have. That you can be, but it doesn't really help, mm-hmm. you know, because things are always going to happen. And so for me, it's just been kind of inspiring just, just relating to the humanity that people want to share and also just hearing the interesting interesting stories that they have to tell you know yeah well adam this is not the only creative project you have where can people though find this podcast and find out more information about you you can find it at friendswithdeficitspodcast.com it's long but it says it all right wonderful enunciation (laughs) yes thank you very much i also also have a patreon page patreon.com slash friendswithdeficit if you're into supporting things. I have been hearing more and more about Patreon, yeah. like two or three podcasts I listen to utilize it. All right. And uh, Adam is also belongs to a couple of cover bands. Um, That's true. Former I Love You So Much and Statesman Shots guest Richard Weiss. I hope you're listening to this. Richard belongs, Hi, to, Richard. The, Richard belongs to the Hedwig cover band, but Adam belongs to, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a Bowie as well as a Queen cover band. That's right. Super Creeps and Magnifico, respectively. That would be an incredible triple bill. Just saying, yeah. highball Austin, that might be a show you want to Make sure get we on. get invited. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know. Okay. Thanks so much for coming in, Adam. Thank you. Welcome to the Web Report. Your namesake. Hello. Yes, it is me, Eric Webb of the Web Report. And we're here to talk about ping pong today. Yeah, you, I watched you on Facebook Live last week do something really fun. You went to the opening of a new ping pong establishment that bounced into town. It's right. Oh, that's good. Uh, table the jokes for a second, Omar. Oh, <laughs> nothing but net. Oh, or else I'll have audible to, groan. Or else I'll have to get the paddle out. Uh, um <laughs> So sometimes in the web report, we get to go out and about uh, and take our Facebook Live camera into some of the coolest things that are happening around Austin and spin the new ping pong experience open downtown on uh, 5th Street in the old Antone space. Oh, that's oh, what that is. Oh, okay. interesting. I yeah. saw them renovating. I didn't know what was going to go there. Okay, so I did not see the Facebook Live video. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to me what the setup is? Is it just like a ton of tables everywhere? Is there a sign-up sheet? It's probably something more high-tech than a sign-up sheet. So it's really like a hybrid between your the kind of bar you would think you would find on West 5th Street and then a ping-pong, I don't want to call it an arena, but there's tables Gallery? all over the place. Yeah, 
there's like one ping pong space that is going to be uh, a place for professionals and wild costumes put on kind of ping pong performance art we're told uh, to put on some shows and like teach Th- this is this is PG-13 right this is not like yeah no this okay. is yeah, this Coyote is, Ugly meets the ping pong bar yeah, this isn't showgirls <laughs> but ping, ping pong, pong show. absolutely not uh, or that scene from um, is it uh, To Wong Fu yeah let's move on yeah yeah anyway <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> um, and then there's also of course tables where people can play and uh, it's not always a bar they're open uh, during the day and people um, who are not of drinking age can come in and they're going to have like league play and they're going to have like lessons and things like that when uh, I went with Sharon Chapman the uh, Austin 360 features editor we were uh, kind of doing that before they opened the doors to the public. Uh, they had like a VIP party, and uh, we got to take uh, some little demo lessons with two of the professionals they had. That's one of the big things that Spin says they offer is that they have these pros that are there that are champion pingers and pongers. They're resident <laughs> pingers and or pongers. <laughs> yeah. They're resident ping pong pros. Okay, yeah. all right. And I mean, they might get. I mean, this is an Olympic sport. They might get Olympians. Yeah, I mean the two two of the people that uh, the uh, the women that were showing us the tricks of the trade, they are actual like world champion ping pong players, and uh, they did a little demo back and forth. I mean, just like the fastest ping pong you've ever seen in your life. Like this is Forrest and, Gump level. And then I saw you step up to the table. Yes, and then not, they not got quite me as on quick. The table. <laughs> not quite as quick, but I would like to say that whatever they taught me and perhaps the guidance that they were offering led me to the most successful back and forth volley I've ever wow, had. Wow, like okay. four times. Yeah, yeah, which is. N- my hand cu- hand-to-eye coordination does not normally lend itself to consistency, let's say. So, okay, what are the origins of the ping pong bar as a thing in cities? Like, is this happening elsewhere around the country? Well, they start, so Spin started in New York, and this is their seventh location in Austin. Uh, in, the Austin location is their seventh location. Now, let me ask you, is this the one that Susan Sarandon is affiliated with? She started a ping this pong thing. This is so thing. random, yes. by the way. When they first announced their building, the Susan Sarandon part seemed to be a bigger part of the uh, the initial the initial volley of, hey, we're coming, <laughs> and uh, have seen less Susan Sarandon mentions uh, in s- subsequent material. But you know, uh, they do she, have photos on the wall, and there is a photo of Susan Sarandon on the wall. She seems busy. I mean, yeah. let's just say. She, she seems a little <laughs> occupied. Yeah. There is one cool thing. I mean, they have, like, photos of, like, some famous people playing ping pong, I assume, at other spin locations. There's a photo of Mark Zuckerberg playing ping pong on the wall. But also another cool thing, they've kind of really run with the used to be the former Antone space angle of it. And so they have some old Antones posters put Aww. up in the walls. It's nice. Yeah, Stevie it's Ray nice. Vaughan playing ping pong. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So last question for me. Is this like, um, is this social because you're cheering for each other? Or is it kind of fun because like you're a little tipsy while you're playing the ping pong? Like... Um, yes, I don't know why is. I put that article in front of it while you're playing the ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, the ping pongs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like how do people socialize in this space? Well, there's space? enough space. It's not all ping pong tables. Like okay. I said, I mean, there's booths and there's like open spaces and there's bars. So it's definitely a hybrid uh, operation. One cool thing about it is that they have employees with these little like basket things that they on the ends of sticks and they walk around. And they pick up the stray balls that people have lost, so you don't spend all your time chasing the balls mm. you have okay. that you all have right. sent off into the stratosphere right. <laughs> never to see again. So that cuts down a lot of time that you would uh, waste at the table. So let me ask: You've talked to the pros. Do they prefer the term ping pong or table tennis? The phrase table tennis was never once uttered in the entire two hours. So they're all there. in on ping pong. I think we're all in on ping pong, as we should be. I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. Table tennis seems like. 
aspirational, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's like graphic novel versus comic book. Yeah, it's like, like t- tiny tennis. Foosball is not table soccer. You know? Oh, I'm going to start calling it that now, though. <laughs> That's true. One thing that I learned specifically, and this, will be, this is my last take on spin, but um, I learned a lot about the proper way to grip the ping pong paddle. There are two different ways. One is called the handshake grip, which is the way I think you would think to hold a ping pong handle with your whole hand gripped around the handle, index finger laying down on one side of the paddle, and then your thumb on the other side of the paddle, like you're shaking someone's hand, right? The other way is the pen grip, which is you grab the, and this is going to be impossible to explain via <laughs> Perfect for an the audio magic medium. of audio. <laughs> yes, please explain <laughs> with words. But let me try to walk you through the uh, configuration of your fingers. You hold it like you'd hold a pen, right? So you end up with your thumb and your index finger curled around the top of the handle and positioned on the side of the paddle like you would have it on a pen, and then your middle finger is resting on the other it's end. Ready of the, to flick the people off in mm-hmm. case they are talking smack. Yes, yes, ready for <laughs> ready for uh, pure aggression. But Just that kidding. way you hold it like that, and then you hold it like a pen, and you can flip it uh, for a backhand or a forehand hit. I played against uh, Sharon when we went. We played three games together, and then she won two out of three. But the one game I won was the game where I tried the pen grip. So the pen grip. Might also be your mm. grip of choice, dear listener. Mightier than, s- mightier than the handshake. Mm-hmm. If you have struggled with ping pong or table tennis in the past, maybe your inner force gump lies in the pen grip. Well, Eric Webb, thank you so much for joining us for the web report and telling us about the ping pong bar. Thank you all, and I'll see you at the table. Maybe. It's time for a toast, a segment where we tell you things that we're really into that we feel you should be checking out. Uh, Tali, you want to get us started? Sure. So I had such a fun Saturday, you guys. I went to first the Treaty Oak Distillery out in Dripping Springs. It's my first time there. It's so pretty. You're drinking it like 9 a.m.? Well, it was actually a baby shower. So, (laughs) no. Sounds so wholesome. It was more like mid afternoon. Okay. <laughs> but they have um, cocktails, um, not just rum, what Treaty Oak is known for, but they have many other uh, spirits available and beer. And it's just beautiful out there, a gorgeous drive, good food, all about it. But my um, toast that I really wanted to emphasize was the beer plant, this place in Terrytown that um, a past guest of ours had recommended. And when you drive by it, it just looks like, oh, like Terrytown, like a, you know, rich area shopping center. <laughs> And then you walk in, and it's so hip and full of this, like, um, really beautiful, uh, I can't remember the exact type of wood. It has a name, like, monkey wood or something on these tables and these gorgeous um, lamps. And But the main draw is the fact that it's a plant-based uh, gastropub. So the beer is amazing, but if you like vegetables like I do, you will find so many well-prepared veggies on the menu. That, when they first opened, it was definitely like the first vegan gastropub in the city, which I think it probably still is, Um, but it's definitely a place to go and get. So it's like, well, what is a gastropub? I mean, it's comfort food, which you don't necessarily associate with vegetarian food. And so that's what draws a lot of people, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it like... Now I feel like I've gotten kind of like snobby about <laughs> pub food. You know, like there are other beer places in town where I'm like, well, you have good beer and you have nice flights, but mm, your food menu is not is not like beer plant. So. Wait, 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 wait. I just got the name. Beer plant? Beer plant. Plant. Beer plant. What did you is think I was plants? saying? I'm that like beer plant factory. 
Oh. But it, but it also is beer plant. Because there's vegetable. plants. Because you're eating some plants. <laughs> <laughs> Works on so many levels. Wow. Did your Is your brain broken right now? It, it's a little broken this week. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Addie, what's your toast? Well, last week I was telling you about 19th century botany. <laughs> I, I recall. Uh, which is, in that study, I learned that vegetables are actually a construct Vegetables don't exist in the scientific Ex- world. Excuse me. If you just all, negated Tolly's toast. They're all. It's either fruit or roots or grass. Oh. But vegetables are purely a culinary designation. But oh. that's not my recommendation this week. Wow. Wait, beer plant. Huh. <laughs> oh, <Omar's> people. <laughs> okay, so my recommendation is um, it's it's kind of a twofold thing. I saw RBG over the weekend. Woo woo. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the documentary about our esteemed Supreme Court justice, who is just an amazing woman. And really, what I want to convey here is that the doc's great. You probably expected it to be fantastic. She is the dissenter. She's having a real. She's having a moment. But, you know, when Notorious RBG sort of came out, people have tattoos now and they've got there's a whole book about it. And she really has just like almost had, I don't know, just the past five years, especially since the election. Um, But what I really walked away from was a respect for women in their 80s. This woman is 84 years old. She works out harder than any of us in this room. I'm looking at Tali with her <laughs> five times a week aerial <laughs> no. silks. <laughs> no, I, I think RBG like busts out like 100 push-ups a day. She, they showed her doing a plank for like 30 seconds. Dude. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, she, she looks great, but it's not really about looks. I mean, it's about staying Strength. fit and staying healthy. And, and it's not just her physicality either. It's just do not underestimate women. And don't underestimate women once their hair gets gray. And don't underestimate women when their bodies start to really even, like, look even older. And, right. You know, and, and but people are so easy to dismiss her, and she's just not having it. And it just makes me super oh, amped. I love this. To like celebrate all of the octogenarians and, and older. Oh my god! That either are. I mean, and I, you're you're allowed to be in your 80s and not be on the Supreme Court, staying up till 4 a.m. <laughs> like working your butt off. Like, all 260 fine. million it's, of you. Fine. You're it's allowed okay. to retire, but at the same time, like <laughs> you society, can slack off and not be on the Supreme Court. Society just really devalues people and especially women after I mean like Jane Fonda is like facing criticism she's 80 and she was playing a woman in her 60s in this book club movie and people are like shaming her for that like talk to every dude who has ever you know been pushing the love interest when he's in his 80s so just don't underestimate women especially you know of 75 plus awesome love that recommendation okay omar sir speaking of women we love uh courtney barnett uh has a new album out called tell me how you really feel i'm i'm so in the bag for courtney barnett i have been since her ep and her first album and the year when she was at south by southwest like 10 times and i missed her every single time i never never got to see her in concert last november i did get to see her perform finally with kurt vile they have an album yeah which was also great that album is fantastic i knew, knew nothing about Kurt Vile and uh, now I'm a fan of his because of the album he did with her uh, but yeah her new album is great it's I mean no surprise it's just as good as everything she's ever done it's, it's you know smart lyrics great tune womanship mm. uh, it's just a really good sounding album but uh, I'm here to celebrate not just the album but just her as a person like she just comes across so well in interviews so self deprecating mm. and funny and clever and not taking herself too seriously and, and uh, I listened to an interview with her on Sirius XM about this album where she talked about just changing her work habits and how like you know what I'm going to try to sit in an office and write every day and do it that way like she's still sort wow. of experimenting with her work ethic and her workflow and trying new things and 
a lot of this album is about self-doubt and, and sort of self-consciousness and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm into it. I'm into her. I think she's fantastic. I love her voice. I love everything about her. She's just awesome. So mm. Courtney that, Barnett. That Avant Gardner song was the one that got me into her. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's that's probably her best song. But just like, lyrically, I, I mean, everything I've but heard. But she's so consistent and, and yeah. she can go all the way from like pretty hard sounding rock to very, very folksy acoustic and it all sounds good and it's all well made like she's just a very good craftsperson well you have had several hits lately on the recommendations of music yeah I thought about you this morning with Casey Musgraves slow burn taking me into my work day the new Janelle Monae if you're not on that that's fantastic and then the new Courtney Barnett it has been a good month for new albums from solo female artists yay well great to us everybody That's our show. She's Addie. He's Omar. I'm Tali. Check out the Austin 360 Instagram and Facebook for more about life in Austin. And talk to us on Twitter at loveaustin360. If you liked what you heard today, leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. It helps other people discover the show. I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast is produced by Alyssa Vidales. The show is made with support from Features Editor Sharon Chapman and the entire Austin 360 staff. Our theme music is from local band Hardproof, which you should definitely check out at hardproofmusic.com. You can find more about the show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch an idea for the show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com or leave a voicemail at 512-445-3672. This show is brought to you by our sponsor, Lexus of Austin. We couldn't do the show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your ice-filled Yeti tumblers. Until next week, we'll see you headed to the Guadalupe River. Thank you.